Thank you very much. Uh, for many years, I have been lecturing on Jewish history, although I don't claim to be a historian. I may say that in many circles, uh, I'm recognized as, a, as, as an authority on some aspects of Jewish history, and especially on the Holocaust, and no wonder. Uh, I, I am a witness. I made the Warsaw Ghetto a Jewish labor camp for about two years, and then I graduated from five universities of, uh, of bestiality and atrocities. I was in Auschwitz, in the Rheinenburg, in Sachsenhausen, in Nordhof, and finally in Buchenwald. And that it became my specialty. Uh, I've been lecturing here and even abroad. But I'm pleased that the committee that organized my appearance here had chosen a little bit a wider topic. And this is not only about the home, but what was there before the home? And this is quite important. And there's something also after the home of which we are all a part. Now, there's a, there's a chazal our Chacham said, Chayib Odom Loima Mosai Adiru Masai Lumasai Abrisa. A Jew has the obligation to think and to ask himself, when will I reach the Madrege of Avram Yitzhak Viyakov? And our famous Hasidic leader asked, now what is this? Where, where is there? Does anyone think that he can reach Avram Yitzhak to whom God himself was, with whom God himself was conversing? And the same Rebbe, and the Rebbe Rabinin, of Shishka, who was the, known as the head of all Polish rabbis that we know of, Geren, Alexander, and Amshinov, and Sarachov, he said, Yagir also means not only reaching, but it also means Yagir is touching. Now, what, what a Jew has to do, he has to touch his own parents, his, the wherever he came from. And this brings him, could bring him, to a Heimat and to be clean near Avram Yitzhak And therefore I think it is quite important to see when, where we are coming from. 
What was there before the home? What kind of world was it? Was it really as great? Was it really as perfect? Was it without blemish? Not at all. It was not a it was not a choice. But still, when I think back, when I look back, I can see the world that was higher, nobler, loftier. It was a world of more ruchnias than we see today. Many Jews when they said, Shaloy Sani Goy, had a feeling of being closer to the Shaloy. Let's understand a Jew in Russia and Poland. Lithuania he was down he had to bow to every goy to every nasty shagis he had to tip his head for for, for, for every hoodlum but still at the same time he still knew that he was, that he was a Meyefis, that he was one who was close to the Bani Shalom. Hashem. in Chavez, as we all know, especially in Poland, in Galicia, Jews were strangled. Now the strangled was that was the head of the of the of the of the Schlachter, was the head of of the of the very rich, of the very known, of the very of the very great, of the great Goyim. Now what was it that made that made them this? You know, I once heard that from Arab Shab. He said to me, he told me, you see we were talking about the Shabbos in Lodz in Warsaw and the Shabbos in Frankfurt, the Shabbos in Germany, and he said, you know, in by us, the former Yahudim in Germany, in Frankfurt, they were wearing top hats. He said, do you, do you realize, of course for you it was a modern bar, but this man was a fisherman, and his neighbor, his German neighbor, now he couldn't talk before Hitler, couldn't understand it, what, is he the billionizer, is he the mayor of the city, he put on the top hat? Who's a fisherman, who is he? But this is how the Jew felt. Yes, a whole week I'm a fisherman, but comes on Shabbos, I'm a Benmelia. I belong, I, I belong to, the, to the aristocracy. How different were we from our neighbors? There was no such thing as a, in Poland as a Jewish alcoholic. You know, they, even the Polish, in the Yiddish theater were singing 
Şeker, 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 Very interesting, and we'll, we'll talk a little later. Israel Gutman, I mean, the author of, uh, has a book, he's one of the leaders of Yad Vashem, very secular, cruel, secular Jew. Uh, he wrote a book about the Warsaw Ghetto. That's very interesting. In the Warsaw Ghetto, there was a police record, the police had a record, but there was no in one case, Israel Goodman says, that a Jew killed another Jew. That's how he studied about the Bethlehem side. So, I mean, Jews were hungry. They were dying from hunger. So, there were only petty cries. You know, they were laughing sometimes. They were joking about the Jewish underworld. The Moshe was the Jewish underworld, Moshe Poitre. But what was Moshe Poitre doing? He raised, he raised his hand on another Jew. Now, the Jew was poor, but he didn't feel it. You know, there's a Jewish song. He quoted the ghoulish, the ghoulish sheet. Now, what was the ghoulish sheet? And it, that's how it starts. The Jew may be poor, but he is rich. Because spiritual treasures is so much. Do you realize that? The home of the Jews, the second home of the Jews, was the Bessabesh. And many, many Jews lived there. This wasn't just their song. I would say that that was their first home. You see, intellectual, intellectual, there were millionaires. They were sitting and learning. Almost in every house, there was a bookcase, there was a song shop. And most of the time, this was the greatest, the greatest treasure of a Jewish home, was a, was a song shop. Personal story. Uh, I had an uncle. Uh, 
after the war he was uh, also a Holocaust survivor, uh, never, he never remarried, he used to be our guest for Shabbos. And usually after Shabbos he had to go home, he had to see his, uh, his uh, mail, I mean, uh, maybe it will be a check. So, but there was one day, it was a Shabbos and a storm, and he couldn't go home, and the next morning he wanted to dance, and my dad wanted to go to shoe. And he said, just to, uh, uh, since we gave my food thin, since we gave my food thin, so I said, yeah, but I have to go to the, I have to go to the minion. So he went over to the flat, and man, had a look. I can't understand, he said. My father had had ein Pohäusen and zwei Pohäusen. My father had one pair of pants and uh, two pair of film. I see here the mirror with eight or nine pair of pants. You can't afford another pair of film. I remember the same day that I visited Sarah Fortner, you know, the great Shiva. And when I said it to him, he almost started crying. He said, I'm not sure that you realize what your uncle told you. This was a Midrash European Jew. This was an Eastern, an Eastern, an Eastern European Jew. I put five to a husband and five to a And he kept repeating and pounding on the table, I put a husband, five to a yeah, I took the people to one person eventually, but he lived with the body children. This was his life. Now with this spirit, I think we easier will understand what happened during the Holocaust. Yes. Of course I call this glory, this greatness. And this also reflected itself in the life of the Jews in the ghettos and in many concentration camps. And in all the stories which you read, you read very, very little about this. Jews were great. And there were Jews, there were the compassionate, the Rathmonim, the Rathmonim, even in the ghettos, even in the concentration camps, even in, 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 with all the diseases, with all this. And I saw it. I saw it. In the Warsaw Ghetto, it's very interesting, people don't know it. The Germans for a while <coughs> did allow entertainment. Even the Jews have a few kinos, a few, few theaters, even a Yiddish theater. Hundred, two hundred, or, or even five hundred people was not an assembly. But a million of ten people, this they didn't let. This they didn't allow. It was strictly forbidden. And, and, and strictly forbidden meant also to risk, to risk one's life. <coughs> Everywhere in all these, where you see, where children are verboten, there's a mit Todesstrafe. 
And people, they're, they're, they're people of the shop. Still, in every yard in the world, so ghetto. There are people live in different houses. The houses, not like they build, they're different. They're, every, every house has a yard. In every yard, in every house, in every Jewish house, there was a minion. People used to come and they risk. And they done. <coughs> yeah, there was. Here we were doomed. We are doomed. We are doomed to be annihilated. Still, there were many Jews. Excuse me. They knew about it. They knew what Hitler said in 1939, a few months before the war. He said that if the Jews succeed in bringing Israel into a war, they will be the ones that will, that, that, that will be gone, that will disappear. He said it often. The Judenbürden verschwinden. Still, Jews still believe that they will survive. And I know it for myself. Let me tell you a little, a little, a little story. In 1940, uh, since the Germans were not attacked, they attacked France and then they attacked France, Belgium, Holland, they conquered right away, also Western Europe. Now what was our, when we were in the Warsaw ghetto, hungry, being pogromed every second day by German bandas, and seeing where, where, where we are going, what was our hope? Our hope was England, huh? After all, we believed in the English Empire. We knew that they got the fleet, and they, 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 they probably they, 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 they always won the wars with Germany. The previous, the previous war they won. So we were sure that the that the British will win, and, and this will be, and we will regain our freedom and our. But all of a sudden, we found out that it's not so. It's not a simple. London was burning. There was a blitz in 1940, and London was a flame. Where do we go? Now you can, it's easy to understand how the Jews felt in the world, so get over the head that London is burning. The church made big speeches, but England was not prepared. <coughs> and at, on that day, it was on a Friday, Friday morning, we heard over the public system in the, the public, the microphones in the Warsaw Ghetto, a speech by, by Hitler, the Maximo, where he said, look, we are ruling, we are, we are, we are ruling this, we are rehearsing the Luftraum, we are ruling the skies, we are, the airspace, yeah, I mean, we are, and we, of course, we will win. And I remember on that evening, on that Friday evening, in 1940, my father, we had a minion in our courtyard. There was a curfew outside, people couldn't go, there was a minion Friday night. 
And my father brought down with him a Kosigishaya. Did I bring it with me? Excuse me. I'm sorry, I'm My father took out the Pasigishaya and he read to Ma'alim and he said like this. And this is a this is Yeshaya not he talks about Nebuchadnezzar. Seems that Nebuchadnezzar also made a similar speech. Because the Nabi says, the Atol Mato Bilbovko, and you say say to yourself, Hashamaya Male. My seat will be up there in heaven. I'm ruling the space. I'm ruling the airspace. <coughs> but this, you may say whatever you want, but you shall not be saying. But there comes a day, ask and show to that. You will go down. And you have to say, well, quite deep. People later will wonder and they will say, I left for his poinoni and they will ask, Is this the man for whom the world was trembling? I remember, I remember, I reminded myself on this posse when I saw the Germans defeated a few years later. We were wondering, this, these are the Germans going down like this bowing to every one of us of the previous prisoners. There were still Jews in all the, all the worst times who did not lose their faith. And my father believed it so strongly that he married me off. No, for him, a young man, he probably and he me talking to a girl. So he said, I have to You have to marry him off. And people were asking him, What do you mean? No, but there were some people, some I said, But usually, And my father said, No, he said, What do you mean? If we don't marry off our children when there's time to marry them off, we are capitulating. We are giving up. There's no law, he said, in the ghetto not to many many restrictions. But there was no no restriction not to be be married. 
So this, this right still we have it. So let's not make another Jewish family. I remember, after I married, we left the ghetto and not far from the gate where we bribed the, the, the guards. My father told me, look, he said, I don't know if we will see each other again. But you should remember, Jews will not disappear. Tell you school that they shouldn't again. There's a hospital. Hitler may say, but Jews will not disappear. <coughs> now was he the only one? Was he the only one with that faith, with that money, with that stronger money? <laughs> no, not at all. I saw them later in, in all concentration camps. I saw them in Auschwitz, not not Auschwitz. Let me, let me tell you another small story. How the Jews, even those Jews who, Amunia was not strong. Those who Amunia was not very strong. In Stalchowitz, I told you that I was in a, in a post-labor camp. And I sent for soil autos with me. And I said that on a Sunday, our foreman, neither the German nor the Poles, showed up. But we have about 45 or 50 Jews who came to the first shift in the morning, called 6 o'clock in the morning. And there were just a few people there whom, with whom the, the food I wanna. Anyway. There was no work. We went into the Jewish dining bar and sat down and had nothing to do. Someone said, ah, it's Yantif today. So, we didn't have a master, we had a city. <coughs> but someone remembered a song that you, we sing it almost everywhere. And especially, even the and my name is so although it's, it's written down as the, as the, in the, our Maxim is written as the, because it's a maggot. And Adir Kashem, and Baruch Ben Amram, and Gedulah Katoiro, and Roshet Yisrael. And he started singing. And after a while, people reminded themselves, and coming and singing, and all of a sudden, our German boss showed up. I opened wide his eyes and he said, What's going on? You're singing? He had it so good. You're singing? And since I have been his interpreter between the Germans and the Poles, a different story. Uh, I thought, No, it's just, it's a simple dollar. We have no work, no one inside us, our foreman out here. So it's a yomtev today, it's a fire. Maybe he even asked me, for our Niederlage, for our downfall, are you praying for our downfall? And I said, no, no, we are, we are praising God. So he said, what? You're praising God? Finally he said, 
Look, tell me, what, what, what did you pray? Well, let me hear that strike. Let me hear this prayer. They started telling him, you know, the Hashem, the one who When I came to Eishach on Meoch, he stopped and he said, Stop! Stop! Do you believe in it? You are so great, and God is so great, and the Jews are so wise. You are wise here, in this, in this situation that you are. are. Are you joking? Do you believe in it? <coughs> I don't remember what I said. But I probably didn't say anything. I just was speechless. And he said, and you, and you, over in the beginning nobody answered, but then all of a sudden there was a young boy, and he didn't even belong to a religious group, you know, who sometimes made a minion and sometimes uh, did something in Yiddishkeit, you know. He didn't even belong, he said, Ja, Chef, ich glaube. So, this, our German Bruno Pape said, and you, and you. Now were there about 50 or 20, all, all of them felt a need to declare themselves, ah yeah, ich glaube, I believe. And I just remember it, and he said to himself, ihr glaubt, he said, you, you believe, ihr seid ein unglaubliches Volk, you are an unbelievable people. How much time do I still have? You can go on. There's another story. And it's all stories which are... There's still people alive, I mean, uh, who are with me, who can testify, I mean, the veracity, I mean. So our camp is staff of it. A Jew came from Krakow, his name was Akiva Goldstoff. He was a wine merchant in Krakow, very well known, Agera Chosset. And you know, in, even in camp you recognize right away someone, we look all alike, no? Uh, no one of us uh, had a beard and no one uh, Still, we still recognize right away, I, 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 I don't know how, but I gave Shalom Aleichem and right away I saw this again. Uh, I, I, there are many stories about him, but I'll come to this. I'll come to this. It seems that our German boss also recognized him right away. Uh, once he came in and he was standing in a, in a corner and swaying. Yeah, he doesn't, you know. And, uh, and he got scared. He thought this man is out of his mind. And he caught him. He said, he's What, 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 what are you doing there? He's swaying. I mean, what? He probably, the first time he, he saw a Jew swaying, I mean. Didn't know any Jews before. I mean. <coughs> so he now, he know, already know that he's a religious Jew. And came before Pesach. He came to me and said, Friedensen, you know, you're, 
we are on such good terms with this tradition. Maybe he will allow us bait matches. And I told him, probably well, there will be, you know, it was a Jewish camp, so there were matches. I mean, there was some Jew running in the kitchen, I mean, Papa. So I, no, no, he wants, he wants real kosher matches, he wants to make sure. And here we worked in a smithy, uh, eine Schmiede, uh, ovens of 2000 to 2000 degrees, I mean, you pop before you put in the piece of, 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 of tight, I mean, this was already black. So, anyway, we got the permission. And uh, I remember my wife baked matzahs, and other, the other two Jewish ladies, they baked bake matzahs. Come on place of morning, uh, we were about seven, eight people at lunchtime. We were eating, we didn't, I, I mean, we all take our bread, of course, that is our portion, but Koshtov did not. And it was still in the box that they bought the portions of the, the small, small sandwiches. Uh, there was one sandwich left, because Koshtov didn't want to touch it. And he came in, again, the same boss, Bruno Papa came in and he said, you notice what we're eating. He started shouting. He said, you must be crazy. He said, the Liebe Gott hat euch verlassen. And he said, God forsake us and you're still loyal to him? What are you doing? But he says it to me, he said, Friedens und Fressbrot, eat bread. All right. We ate, we, we couldn't answer. What was the answer? It looked like, it didn't, that, didn't it look like what old forsaken? But then, he looked at the box and he noticed me right away, he knew that this, he said, you, Kolstov, he said, you are, you are older than all of these young, and you must be, Mayor Fernandes is more reasonable, did God forsake you? Didn't God forsake you? You tell me, he said, you do have to see it. And I remember Koshchev got up and spoke German, you know, he was a violent porter. He spoke a beautiful German, even than me. And he said, Herr Chef, nicht total und nicht auf ewig. Yeah, God forsake us, but not totally and not forever. Now it took, it took time until we saw the end that, that it was not forever and it's not, it was not totally. You should understand what was going on. Later on, now the same, the same expression of, 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 of a murmur and all of, I saw in Buchl, I saw in Auschwitz. I was laying near a Jew in a, in a, in a, they, I'll call me, it just came from, from Hungary, it was, I came to Auschwitz in 1944, just right after the, the Hungarian Jews came in, 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 in the summer of 1944, and near me there was this, I get a in the morning, he doesn't, of course he doesn't, I mean, he still remembered, you see, we already, we already were lucky if he picked up something, 
in our memory, but he was already full. And he said in the morning, he was sitting, he said, Ashraini, Matri Khalchaini, Magoyan, Bodolaini, Ashraini, Shanakti, Mashkin, and Magidim. And I asked him once, what is this? He said, I do it especially in order to bring myself to, to, to work with me in order not to lose the Enino and to know that I am really that I with, with all what happened here we are still good, it's good, still good that I am a Jew I saw it later on and Mr. Vashtov somewhere was right when he told us nicht total und nicht auf ewig now let's understand the fact of survival, the fact of our survival. Of course, I myself, when I look back, I see, I can see the Hashkoch El which saved me. I can see it. I can see so many times, so many instances. I was a schlemmatel. I mean, I was man, manually, 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 I was, I was good for nothing. And people who were, who were good for couldn't, couldn't work. I mean, they, 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 they finally, the majority of them, I mean, this. They, they, they went, they, they went. Still so, if Hashem wanted me to live, so I became, a, all of a sudden, the, 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 this, this German who was a little kind, he was a little better, he, he, I became his interpreter, his, the, the man who, he contacted him, had the contact with the, with the Polish masters, with the Polish workers. But here, let's see what, what happened. The survival, for the survival of the quarter of a million or three hundred thousand Jews who were still in the hands of the Germans. Let's face it, in 1942 and 43, after the Wannsee Conference in Berlin, when the Germans decided not to leave anyone, and we saw it, we knew that the Germans were capable if they found out that a Jewish mother gave away a child to a non-Jewish woman. And they, they, they have something. They were capable of putting together a whole company to search every corner in that little village. Here we're talking about a child who couldn't even speak. She gave away her baby, a newborn baby, she gave away to a boy. So the Germans are capable of organizing a, a, a whole search in order to make sure that this Jewish child does not survive. I remember in our camp, in this camp that I mentioned in South, it's in a sports labor camp, they came for an inspection. <coughs> a few Jews succeeded in having their children still in the camp. And a Polish, and a Jewish policeman hit this child. And called it to the inspector, they discovered the child. He shot the child, he shot the policeman, and then he made a speech. He said, can you shoot and see and no Jew will escape us. 
still in 1944 in the, the end of 1944 and in 1945 <coughs> in the concentration camps that we were all of them there was almost no work for us anymore. We were of no use, of no use for them. The factories were almost come, I mean, because there were no raw material, the, the Americans were bombarding day and night all the German cities. There was nothing more for us to do. We're still there. They still hated us. They still didn't want us. Especially at the SS, they were still determined that no one you should survive. Still, they let us live. They even fed us. Oh, I mean, of course, they, we were, when, the, when the Americans uh, uh, liberated us, uh, we were all, uh, I was probably 50 kilo or whatever. But still, they, uh, something they gave us. I mean, you live off, you can only uh, survive on 10 days only without food. So what's the question, how come it? What happened here? So what happened here? There's only one answer. There's only one answer. And the answer is that there came a day, we don't know why all this happened. And we have no answer. And we are not looking for answer. After there came a day when Hashem said, "Stop, give up, enough, no more." Hashem, Yirmiyoyah Novi, who predicted all the sorrows in one of his Nevi'is of the Tachor, he says, "The Eschem lo yachale." Jews are eternal, and this is what and this is what we learn. But if, if others were learning, we know from from what happened that we are an eternal people, that we are everlasting, that we are indestructible. Hashem promised us to be eternal. And so we are here. And as then there was, this was, this is one part, but the other one is the nest of the new Bereshis. We should look around and see what, what's going on. It was the will of this to be, to implement the Teichacha. But still was the will also to let us live again. To be reborn again. There's such a thing as a nest of the new Bereshis. And this Bereshis, we should appreciate, we should. It's a great Bereshis. It, it's, not, it's not as simple. It's just not as simple. Just look around. I remind myself how we looked a day after the liberation. How we looked a day. We were all naked. We had nothing. Some of us had a, had a suit. Worn out suit. Some of the young ladies had a dress. But this was all. Still, 
just to follow the history of the Shailas of Plato, to follow the history of the survivors, now we can see the Dashkofa El Yoino. It's very easy to see. No, I saw it, I noticed it, and I was wondering till this very day. It's a very interesting story. Together with me, in Stavrovich, there was a young boy, he was a, a half of my brother who was two or three years younger than me. And he was a, to me it looked like a half retarded. I mean, uh, he, uh, I don't know whether he spoke any language correctly. Two years later, I found out, it's a long story, I want to make it very short. I found out that uh, he has a factory in Augsburg. I was in Landsberg, Augsburg is only half And an uncle of his wrote me from Israel and he wanted to find out what is with his nephew. I got a letter through someone from the good at Israel. He wanted to know what's, what's with him. And uh, one day I said, yeah, well, I went to Augsburg and I went to that factory. Now here we're talking, talking about a young man, probably he's 22 or 23 years old. This was, no, he was only 21, I was six. I was 23 when I, when I was liberated. He was only 20, 21. A young man didn't know any Polish. I don't know where he left learned German. And there's a factory when I come there. And I come inside. Uh, can I say an Ehrlichstersprechen? May I speak to Mr. Ehrlichster? And the receptionist, the, lady, the young lady says, Haben Sie eine Bestellung? Do you have an appointment? I look at her. There she did I need an appointment in order to see him. But he was the owner already of a big factory in Augsburg. A big textile factory. His own had a tax like a big textile factory lodge. But where was he? Where was he coming from? How did it happen? Now we know that some of, some of, I think, in this audience there must be children or grandchildren of, of, uh, of, uh, of survivors, of Holocaust survivors. And you know, what, what did we have? How did we all of a sudden, how did this all come about? This is in, this is in Kashmir. How do we always get, could you imagine? There was a, there's a newspaper, an Orthodox newspaper in, in, in Israel, the Shah Prava. It's a special kind of a newspaper, you know, the Yitzhahar of the Orthodox is also very much alive, and, but, but they tend to be different things, so they have a Loshahara magazine, Loshahara papers. So, this is, a, this is such a magazine. And they had for, 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 the, for, for the last, for the last case, uh, a special issue of 100 Orthodox millionaires. 
And we are talking really some of them are quite perfect. Some are very harsher in my eyes for me. The ballet group, big ballet soccer, the 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 hundred people. Ninety five percent of all these people are grandchildren or children. Some of them are still children. Of Holocaust survivors who in nineteen forty five didn't have even a shirt of their own. How did it all happen? Now, this is the best news. But <coughs> there's a bigger mess, the Rochnius, the spirituality. How Yiddishkeit came back alive again. Came back alive. Look what's going on. I mean, there was not. I wrote about it. I called it the day of my victory. In 1940, <coughs> there was uh, the Germans in Lublin decided to do away with the big library of the Yeshivas Chaskel Lublin, where I had the Sriya to learn as a young, as a young worker. And in the Warsaw or Krakow title, which I read, we are read together, uh, there was a whole the whole description of the somewhere of our correspondent yeah, he very vivid how it was burning and the, 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 the name of the article was Schluss mit dem Talmud an end to the Talmud of course what did they do they burned the biggest library the biggest Talmud library in Poland Poland was the was the was, was, was the center of, of Talmud learning. Now, it's gone as a Schlusschidden Talmud. Now, you know that there's no Schlusschidden Talmud. If you see today, if you remember, if you see what's going on, the rebirth of the Dafyoimi. Maybe I think, I'm sure, what we have to say Could anybody understand? You know how many editions of Talmud are being reprinted now in these in, in these in these in these last two three years? There's no source to the Talmud. The Talmud is reborn again. They're being learned by men and women. Last year I was in Yerushalayim. And I will come back, I wasn't here in for about nine or ten years, and I was going from street to street and saw the number of, the number of, but in Madrashim, the number of, 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 of youth, <coughs> which I didn't see before. I mean, these, all these, I knew all these streets, that they weren't there before, all of a sudden, you yeshivas, but they chesed, and how did this all come about? So there is a Rabbi who promised also not only a rebirth of of of, of Askas, but also a, 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 a rebirth of Yiddishkeit, of Torah. It's the Torah which is eternal, like Jews are eternal. And this is what I learned from what I saw in my life, in my lifetime.
It's interesting, in 1940, when the Germans came to Poland, they, all of a sudden, until 1940, the Germans let the Jews out of Germany. They, they, when they came to Vienna, when they, when they, the Anschluss, they, they let, the, they wanted the Jews out. When they came in 1940, there's an edict thing from Berlin to, to Krakow, where there was this dissent the guarded, the governor Frank was ruling Poland uh, in the half of in the half of the German government. There was an edict: don't let any Jews out from from from. Uh, what is the edict? No application. If a Jew makes an application to get out, and he has a visa, the application should be accepted. The Jews in America, it's written in that in that in that edict, are waiting for the Talmud Juden from Poland in order to rejuvenate itself. Sometimes we don't care that if I look today, if I look today, if I see today, let's hear it. Tens. Yeah? It was liquidated, not by the Germans, it was liquidated by, by the communists. There's a, no, there's a tell. There's not only a tell in, in Cleveland, there's a tell in Chicago. There's a tell in Westchester. There's Mir. We had only 300 Bahrain women in my time. There are 2,000 in Yerushalayim. And a thousand here in New York. How many is there? Klesk is alive. Lublin is alive. Not only I'm talking about my Lublin is alive, I mean, all right, it's now in the hand of the Jews, but if you talk to you see the scarcity of the Lebanon, tell you, soil is alive. All right, this is what I learned from, from the Holocaust. We are again today in trial. Well, we know it. We have problems. We are now to school, Baruch Hashem. Hashem is Baruch. I do not belong to the Mahna who consider Medina Sisoil as the Reishi Smiras Golosainu, but it served me a Yeshua. It served me a smile from the Rabbanish way to tell the soil. There's six, six million Jews in the soil. And Yiddishkeit is reborn on Yisrael, although they had so many difficulties from their own misguided brothers. Now there were some people in our circles, in the Orthodox circles, in the Hasidish circles, who were against Medina because they were afraid that the Medina will not allow any, any Yiddish. Well, they did try not to allow it. But the 25% of all Jewish children that are born today are going to yeshivas in spite of everything. So, there's a Rabbani Shalom. Let's hope, let's pray that you should not try us anymore. We should bring us to Yeshiva and we all be to Yeshiva from the Chomets 
Ja mä elopin jo meni omen. Yes, I'm ready. Mr. Finzo will take some questions. Is there anybody that wants to ask you something? The phrase that uh, you use that uh, Medina Yisrael is a smile from a Kodesh Baruch Hu. What? The phrase that you use that Medina Yisrael is a smile from a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Yeah. Can you comment on the source of that? Uh, on the source Someone, of that? I, I, they, they say it for the Brisker Roth. Right. So, I don't know, I didn't check it, I mean, but they say it for the Brisker Roth. Yeah. You mentioned that your wife was in the same boy camp that you were in. Beg your pardon? You mentioned that your wife was in the same boy camp. Teach me, my wife was in the same camp and my wife was, my wife was also in Auschwitz. So why would you? Yeah. What happened to the guy who was the wine merchant, the Yerukhachi? Did he survive? The one who was with you, Gosha. Um, oh no, he, he never he did not. He was elderly, and it seems what I heard that people asked about him when I wrote about him. People asked about him. It seems that he died in some in Bergen-Belsen in the days of the liberation. Whether he survived or was it before the liberation or after the liberation, I don't know. How do you feel about the tendency to have Holocaust memorials and statues and museums. Well, uh, I think that I, I think you see the problem is that some lessons, and in this I didn't come to it. There's some lessons which people, some people derive from from what happened, are sometimes incorrect in my eyes. I mean, but uh, it certainly. It's certainly something to, I think the people who perished wanted to be remembered. No question about it, wherever you see gold places, <coughs> where you can see, you can see signs from people. They want, and they want to tell you so to remember. And, and, and as I say, and as I see it, when we see what's happened, in, I mean, the Geschichte say it's, it's something of tell you so, which, which is not only, which is a synonym of the Hashkosh HaYoyim. Watching Yisrael and and and, and making Yisrael withstand all all these problems, all these things. So it's certainly I'm all for it. Uh, I can see only benefit of it. The world should remember. The world should see. Maybe it will wake up. I mean, so far it did not. I mean, it's just it's gone back. I mean, what you see. I mean, the the the, the attitudes of its. Uh, uh, many nations on the Tolosas are just, it's, it's, to that said, it's a repeat of the riches, of the riches are going which we saw in Germany. What do the Swedes have against us all of a sudden? The Danes, all, all, almost all of Europe. And uh, by the way, even what you see in Israel, is also a part of our inference. You see that they were so strong against us so many times. 
God told Hashem, we are so private in here of Yisur, with all the problems, with all the tools, with all the Rebidus, with all the town. God Yisur is thriving in here of Yisur, and hopefully, uh, the fully Yisur will come. You mentioned quantitatively, you said there's more learning going on today. There's 3,000 in the mirror, 2,000 yes. and thousands in Lakewood as opposed to class. But at the beginning of the talk, you said that we have less rookies today than, they, than there was in pre-war. Well, you see, uh, I, I see it this way. You see, to, to level the mirror today is not as hard. As learning in the year before the war. So, and the, <coughs> it's a little easier uh, to have a share and a figure sometimes working for you, you know. <laughs> so, but, uh, but still, I don't, I, I don't think that we reached the Madrage of, of, the, of before the war. We did, we, don't, we, we did not, the nishoy, our Nishoyness, our Nishoyness starts, we, we did not, we don't have the same Nishoyness as they had, and still, they were great. See, I remember when I was in Dublin, I remember there was a, there was a Jew from a little town, he used to come to Dublin, and of course he was sitting in his bedroom and his wife was running to school. He came to Lublin to buy the to buy the merchandise which his wife was selling. And uh, but instead of going and buying kiddos, he went straight to the yeshiva, our yeshiva, and he sat down and he spoke in Lelnik with the Russian yeshiva, you know, it was uh by the morning he reminded himself, you know, that he had to bring home the merchandise to his wife to, to, to sell. So I don't see this I don't see if, if, if we would have said that all those of the Zionists, especially the Nisoyen Hoyen, you know, the Nisoyen Hoyen is one thing. The Nisoyen Hoyen is sometimes the father. Can I ask you one more follow-up question? If you, thinking back to the before yeah. the war, yeah. if you could somehow project them into the current modern milieu, right? Would they have a different approach to the challenges of modern culture than you see the Godolim of today. In other words, is there a big loss, do you see a specific loss in dealing with the challenges of modernity to the way they dealt with the challenges of their modernity? Well, the, the, the situations are not the same. Alright, we thank you some people. Is there an interest in a Marv Minion on a six minute more round? Can we do a Marv Minion? January, everybody, on December 15th, 79th, February, 